All right, so we're back here on another Tourney Talk. We are here once again off the Ball Network presents Tourney Talk episode three. And we're powered this week by the good folks at Fanatics, man. We got a great show lined up for you fellas. Um, the field of 68 is now a field of 64. And I got my guys in the building with me. I got my guy Mo. What's going on, Mo? What's going on, bro? Hey, happy to be on, bro. Yes, indeed. Of course, I got my guy, Chris. What's going on, Chris? What's going on with it, man? Doing good. Yeah, everything good. Everything good. So, man, we're here. It's crazy. The, the field has um, widened. Not widened, but it has shortened. It is now a uh, pretty much four teams in. So, fellas, before we go, get forward to the um, Final Four, I want to get you guys' thoughts on the um, Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight. Just your thoughts on the previous weekend that was. I'm going to go with you first, Chris. Your thoughts. Um, you know, I thought it was cool. It was it was a solid weekend. You know, it wasn't nothing too spectacular, I think. Uh, we had a couple good games in there. Of course, that UCLA-Alabama game was lit. Uh, Alex Reese hitting that shot to send it to OT, and that was the end of it for Bama. They, they left the rest of their game in regulation because they didn't show up for OT. But uh, and then also you had that Arkansas Oral Roberts game. You know that was a good showing. Oral Roberts went out, you know, strong. Had a last second shot, almost uh, pulled it off. But you know Cinderella had to go home. But uh, I just think it was it was a solid weekend. And, you know, it just kind of showed me that we're waiting for Gonzaga and Baylor to meet up. Pretty much everybody else is you know is just kind of here. You know, the stories are cool, but Gonzaga and Baylor, those are the two top dogs. Yeah. Uh, your, your thoughts, Mo? Yeah, I mean, I agree with I, I 100% agree with Chris. You know, there was, you know, I expected it to be a little bit better in a sense. There was some blowouts, obviously. I rocked with Buddy Buckets. He let me down. Yeah, you know, yeah. Syracuse lost, got blown out by Houston. You know, but a lot of the games were very um how do you, how do I want dominant? Like, you know, Oregon State and Loyola Chicago, it was a really good game, but Oregon State kind of maintained that dominance. Loyola made their little bit of runs, you know, here and there to make it close, and then Oregon State took off. Uh, that Oral Roberts at Arkansas was down to the wire. Oral Roberts had Arkansas hanging on the thread for a while, you know, but I, as I've said before, I'm a big believer in talent prevails. A lot of times, I know we have, it's tough to say that in college because we have Cinderella stories. Oral Roberts was a Cinderella story being in the Sweet 16. But Arkansas was just, they were too good. And when it came down to making the right play in crunch time, they did it, you know, down the line, the final three minutes. They took advantage of every opportunity. They were talented enough to take advantage of every opportunity. Granted, even at the end, he had a good look with, what, three seconds left? You know, inbounding the ball full court. He still had a very good look. And I remember... Chris tweeted and said, man, this has a real, he said, this has a real Cinderella story, March Madness feel to it, where he might hit this shot. Like, we don't know, we the inbound the pass, we didn't know what was coming, but it, it did have that feel. And I thought the same thing. I said, man, this is an opportunity for Oral Roberts to cap off that Cinderella story, knock that three, you know, that memorable moment, kind of, mm -hmm. you know, the, the, Memorable moments of makes moment. or misses. Yeah, yeah that yeah. signature moment. Mm -hmm. You know, yep. when we talk that shot, if he would have hit that shot, we talk about, you think about some signature moments. You think about Kimball Walker's step back. You know, you think about Christian Leitner's game winner. Obviously, that might be the greatest of, of all time. You talk about Gordon yeah, Hayward right and his missed half-court shot that could have took down Duke um, in the national championship. You talk about Evan Turner's you know, pull up from logo, you know, his logo three in the sweet 16 to take Ohio State to the Elite Eight that year. Like, you know, there's a lot of plays that would have been up there with a lot of them. But this, this, it was very dominant. The teams we expected to win pretty much won. I mean, I know Oregon State beat Loyola Chicago. Like you said, though, it does just seem like it's Baylor and Gonzaga's world and everybody else just living in it. You know, we'll talk about the final four matchups coming up. But, you know, uh, UCLA beat Alabama. That was definitely an upset. But outside of that, you know, USC and Oregon, USC dominated a little more, dominated Oregon a little more than I thought would happen. 
Um, even though USC had came off that that great game, Oregon came off the great game. But, it, you know, they dominated. I didn't see that really coming, but USC and their height advantage and, you know, the Mobley brothers, that was, you know, they came to play. Not mm-hmm. a surprise there. The surprise to me was the Michigan dominance over Florida State. I thought, you know, when we talked about it yep. and we thought that was going to be like a down-to-the-wire you know yeah. what I'm saying? Gritty game. Mm-hmm. And it actually, Michigan putting up 76 points was very surprising. Florida State putting up 58 like, like wasn't putting surprising. Up against anybody else, 76. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like Florida State putting up 58 wasn't a surprise, but I could have seen like a 58 to 56 game there. I definitely didn't see Michigan putting up 76 points. And that was something we talked about. And then, you know, the Elite Eight, Houston played uh, Oregon State. Oregon State, now, granted, they were getting dominated a lot of the game. They came back. They were down by like 18 at one point. They came back, uh, ended up tying with Houston. But, you know, like I, I I stick with talent prevails. Same thing with Baylor against Arkansas. Baylor was very dominant in the first half. Arkansas came back, made it a great game. But then, you know, at the end, that final stretch, Baylor took off and didn't look back. And then once again, you know, Gonzaga dominated USC, which was actually a surprise to me. I'm not, I figure Gonzaga would win. Um, but not in a dominant fashion like that. The height advantage, the Mobley brothers, just none of that really seemed to show up or really be a factor. And in that game, I think the biggest factor is Jalen Suggs because he's had a very turnover-prone game, you know, uh, the first three games. He comes in in the Elite Eight, has, what, 18 points, 10 rebounds, 8 assists, uh, something like that. Plays very well. His best game he's played in the tournament you know, looking like he could be the number one pick in the draft. He made a very strong case with that game. But I think through the first three games, he had 17 turnovers. He only had two turnovers in that game. That makes a big difference when your star player, your ball handler, or your best player on your team, you know, you're able to win in spite of him and some of his flaws and mishaps. He comes in when he plays at his best. It doesn't look like Gonzaga is going to lose. And then, you know, UCLA in Michigan, that UCLA Michigan game was kind of the game I expected out of Michigan and Florida State. You know, 51 mm-hmm. to 49. And Michigan had what? Three chances to win that game. Three. Yeah. They had three chances. They air ball, goes out of bounds. They get a shot or they air balls. They get the rebound, shoot another shot, knock it out of bounds. Um, UCLA knocks it out of bounds. Michigan gets another opportunity to win the game and they don't win it. You know, so shout out to UCLA for being our Cinderella. You know, that was something we didn't expect. We called our Cinderella okay. and it Who wasn't UCLA. UCLA so. the, the blue blood would be the Cinderella story now. Right. And <laughs> yeah. that's a and that's one of the compelling storylines in this going in this weekend. And it's funny because I I and it's funny because if if I would between that UCLA and Michigan State matchup, if someone would have said, Hey, who's gonna essentially would make it to the final four, it'd be more than likely we would have said Michigan State. Because yeah. and you just really think about, about because you think about it really at halftime they looked like trash you know in um in that in that in that first the first four end game mm-hmm. and this mm-hmm. whole you know the whole situation uh, with Tom Izzo and and the other and, and and the guy and then that just seemed like it spearheaded they went to overtime and then they just had full control and then it just, just run it just been crazy and then another thing is not put you know putting the cart before the horse. Because me, me and Mo, we were like, okay, Syracuse versus Loyola Chicago is, is going to be the Elite Eight game for a ticket to the Final Four. Neither one didn't even get out, um, even make it to the Elite Eight. So those two things I looked at. And then another thing, Gonzaga's dominance. Like, I mean, we thought it was, you know, we, you know, you look at, the, you know, the first two rounds. Granted, we knew that was going to happen. Shout out to Norfolk State. <laughs> <laughs> but <Yeah. laughs> we knew everything was gonna happen. But then you look at what they did against Creighton, and then also what they did against uh, USC. And these games were just weren't they weren't close at all. It's almost like you knew it. Like halftime, it's like all right, let's yeah. warm up the bus. Like <laughs> putting teams, let's warm up the bus. It's over. But yeah, those are those are things that I kind of um, got from this weekend as far as my takeaways. Mm-hmm. So. Um, Let's talk about the first uh, national semifinal game. This is going to be a 5.15 p.m. Eastern Standard Time tip on Saturday. Uh, Houston versus Baylor. So I'm going to go around the horn, fellas. I'm going to go to you first, Mo. Uh, what is the matchup to watch uh, for you in this uh, national sem- this first national semifinal game? 
the matchup to watch. Going back to my guy from Houston, Quentin Grimes. But instead of the other guard, I'm gonna go Quentin Grimes versus Baby Teague over there. He's been balling in this tournament. Um, you know, Marcio Teague, it 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 runs in his blood. You know, he's a Teague. His his brothers are ballers. You know, Jeff Teague had a good career. You know, he's a he's a walking bug. He's pretty much a, a replica of what we've seen from the Teague brothers, you know, in the past. So that's kind of my matchup to watch in this game is to see how those two guards play out against each other. Uh, you know, I kind of said Grimes versus Buddy Buckets was going to be the matchup in the Syracuse. Obviously, Grimes had a better performance. They they shut down Buddy Buckets. Grimes played great defensively and was able to kind of pick apart that 2-3. Not easy to do. So, you know, that 2-3 is one of the deadliest defenses we've ever seen in college history, period. When we talk about defenses that are ran, Syracuse's history on that 2-3 defense is second almost to none. I've never really seen, especially in an era full of man-to-man, best player guards, best player, you know, top dog versus top dog, mano mano matchups. The fact that Syracuse was even able to make it that far, playing the 2-3 defense, which zone defense is starting to even be phased out in college basketball. Um, definitely in the high school level. There, you know, zone defense is starting to be phased out. So I got to go Quentin Grimes versus Teague. That's the, my matchup to watch. And I do think with the way both teams play, I think the winner of that matchup, that team goes on to play in the national championship on Monday. Yeah, big time. Okay. Mo, I'm Mo Pepe. Chris, your thoughts? No, um, I, I like what Mo said. You know, uh, Maceo, he's uh, he's somebody who I'm going to be looking out for to see, you know, how he plays because he's an absolute sniper. You know what I'm saying? You've been watching him this year. He's a shooter. He had 35 points against Texas Tech earlier this year off 10 three balls he made. So when he's, when he's going, you know what I'm saying, it's tough to get Baylor stopped. But um, for me, I'm going to go a little outside the box for my matchup to watch. I'm going – Kelvin Sampson against Scott Drew. I'm going to coaches. You know, um, Coach Drew, he's been – this is his 18th year with Baylor. So, he's built this thing up. You know what I'm saying? The longest tenure coach in the Big 12. Bunch of athletes. Uh, just a great squad. This is, you know, probably his best squad, honestly. You know, even last year's squad was really good. But this might be his best team that he's had since he's been with Baylor. Going up against Coach Sampson who has bounced back from everything that transpired at Oklahoma, bleeding into Indiana, you know, with the the texting, the cell phone, everything, and that little scandal and how he got phased out, had the coach in the NBA for a minute. He's bounced back from that. And the funny thing about that is it's not even a violation anymore. You know, they changed the rules. You, you can text as much as you want to now as a coach. That's the crazy thing. So he was—he really was ahead of the curve, you know what I'm saying? He was, he was mm-hmm. hip to the game and already knew how this was going to play out, but – Got in trouble with that, but he's back at it. And we know with Coach Sampson, his teams are going to play great defense. That's what they've been doing this whole tournament, this whole season. They're going to defend. I'm curious to see, though, we, I, we know Baylor's going to cue in on Grimes. So what's going to be the adjustment? What's the counter move when Baylor comes out and shows you know, how they're going to try to lock up Grimes? We know the different defenders they throw at him, the different looks they throw. What's going to be the adjustment to get Grimes uh, open? And also to get some of the other playmakers to, to get some shots. Uh, Marcus Sasser, he had 20 points against Oregon State. He's somebody to look out for. So I'm, I'm just kind of curious to see the, the chess match, if you will, between the two coaches. Yeah, big time. Um, and I'll just kind of piggyback on to Mo's point, too. Um, Baylor and Houston, similar as far as having a three-guard rotation. Um and what's interesting, um, in if he's, when we look at it from a huge perspective, which is interesting, uh, when Grimes, Sasser, and Jerome, um are in double digits and double, you know, as far as scoring in double digits, they're undefeated. They haven't lost a game this year. Um, so you look at that as a, you know as, as a caveat for hopefully mm-hmm. so you know something that Houston Cougar fans can um, kind of um, look at in this matchup. And then also they like we talked about, Baylor has a three guard. Um, Rotation as well with uh, Mitchell Teague and then Butler as well, mm-hmm. and then that that trio is almost averaging almost forty six points per game. Yeah, um, you know, so those that trio are, might be in the NBA. I yeah, think all three of those guys. And you know, you know what's yeah. crazy about Baylor? His so his was crazy. 
we come tournament time. This is just like a personal story. So we come tournament time, and I go against my guns because in the beginning of the season, there's two teams I watched this in the beginning of the season, the first few games, and I said, those two teams are going to the national championship. It was Gonzaga, and it was Baylor. I literally sat mm-hmm. there, and I saw, I bought stock early that Gonzaga and Baylor are going to play in the national championship. The game that put the stamp on it for me, for Baylor, was when they played Illinois. Earlier in the season, I think some, sometime around late November, early December, they beat they beat the doors off of Illinois. And I see, you know, that was Baylor was three, Illinois was four. It was a three versus four matchup. I said, that team right there, they're going to the national championship. And obviously watching Gonzaga, knowing all the players that they have, all the NBA draft players, lottery picks, you know, two or three of those guys will go lottery late first round. I said those two teams. And then I go and I have Gonzaga go to the national championship. And I go, I go with my guns in the, in the bracket. And Baylor doesn't even make the final four. When earlier in the season, I bought in and said, those two teams are going to be a national championship. And now, like, it comes full circle because I'm literally sitting here agreeing with what Chris said, saying that it looks like it's Gonzaga, it's Baylor, and it's just everybody else alone for the ride, getting some attention, building some draft stock. But it looks like it's going to be a matchup between Gonzaga and Baylor, the two teams that if we would have had a show or covered college basketball earlier, We'd have been able to go back and say, man, Mo, I would have made a fool of myself looking at my bracket because y'all would have heard me literally say, I'm going with Baylor and Gonzaga early. I'm calling it. It's going to be over for the rest of the league. And then here they go. They're about, they're probably going to play each other in the national championship. And I look like a yeah. fool because I didn't have Baylor even going to the final four. I didn't stick to my guns. Oh, Mo. Come on yeah, now, yeah, man. Yeah. yeah. Second guessing yourself that. is, you know what I'm saying? Second guessing yourself. You're a little biased, though, because for Baylor to get to the national championship, in my mind, they would have had to beat Ohio State. Yo. You know, so it was one of those, you know, you rock with your bias. And, <laughs> and I just, I couldn't I couldn't do it. I, I, I got to give up my bias on Ohio State. They've ruined my brackets the past, like, three, four years. I bought in. They're going to the Sweet 16. They're going to at least make it to the Elite Eight. I got hope. I love the matchups. And then they don't even make it out the round of 32. So y'all, you know? y'all first, first four out. Yeah, you know what I I'm know. saying? Like, we're one of the first four out. But let alone, they don't make it past the round of 32 every year that I roll with them. So the buyers got to go out the window. I got to learn my lesson. And from here on out, I got to start going with logical mode and just rocking with the better teams. And this year, it looks like you wouldn't have been wrong, you know what I'm saying, if had Michigan won that UCLA game, a lot of people would have had three of the final four teams correct. Because a lot of people rocked with all four number one seeds getting there. So that's another thing is like Michigan was two points away from a lot of guys having a really good look at Final Four. Because I know a lot of people rocked with all four number one seeds just because of how dominant the four number one seeds were. You look at Michigan and Illinois. Then you look at Gonzaga and Baylor. Those four teams pretty much dominated let alone, except Michigan had to play Illinois. Like, Michigan mm-hmm. lost to Ohio State in the Big Ten Championship in a tough game, and obviously they lost one of their best players. But those four teams have been fairly dominant this year. Only team that kind of – Illinois and Michigan, the record wasn't two or three losses because they went through the gauntlet of the Big Ten, which turned out to be a very fluke regular season-only gauntlet because – all those teams were bounced out outside of Michigan very early. None of those teams exceeded or even met expectations what we have for the Big Ten. So in typical Big Ten fashion, they show up, look great. We argue whether they're better than the ACC. And then when it's all said and done, they don't make it. Yeah, and it's funny because I look and it's and it's just weird. And it's, that's another one where I looked at Ohio State winning, winning that region. But like you said, Baylor, I, I was paying attention to them a lot early as well. But, like, Gonzaga was, like, head and shoulders, like, above everybody even. I think because we even taught Chris, in, like, during Christmas, it was like, yeah, this is a different Gonzaga team. This is Everybody this was team. just afraid right. to buy into Gonzaga because they Gonzaga has been yeah. a team that has let them down before. So, it's like, man, we, you know, you've heard a lot of we've seen this before. Not as dominant, you yeah. know, not as complete, but we've seen mm-hmm. a Gonzaga team that's kind of rolled through the regular season looked like a championship favorite, and then get bounced in the Sweet 16. Don't make it to the Elite Eight. Don't make a Final Four appearance. So everybody didn't – they kind of were afraid to buy too much into Gonzaga, but 
the product yeah. is what it what what is hey, showing it's, it's up. It's different to this now point. when you got that boy Jalen Suggs. Yeah, yeah, and that's one thing too. And like the personnel is a whole lot different too. That's another thing, you know. Then this and they it, it you think what they would what they've been doing these last like two weeks they was doing that like early on all year you know all year. all year so that's the thing too and then you know the whole situation with the shutdown for a few, yeah because they were shut down maybe for like a few weeks like two to three and that's weeks, when yeah. I figured that was gonna be a situation where it's like okay and then they were still able to kind of maintain um, and that's another thing too once they once they overcame that. I was really impressed by that because you know normally you know those things happen and then you kind of lose a step here or there, yeah, especially you when you off. know yeah. it throws you off. And so yeah, that's definitely yeah, that's that's it's gonna be crazy. So fellas, who's gonna be the X factor in this matchup? I'm gonna go with you first, Mo. Your X factor. Ooh, the X factor in the Houston versus Baylor. I'm gonna piggyback off of Chris. In, in the matchup he move. wants to watch, I think the X factor is going to be what he pointed out, coaching. It's going to come down to coaching. Talent yeah. is not lacking on either side. You know, we're not questioning the talent of Houston. We're not questioning the talent of Baylor. So when it comes down to two fairly equally talented teams, two teams that have three-headed monsters, you know, at the guard position, it's going to come down to coaching and adjustments because – Somebody's going to get shaken off their game plan. It's going to happen. Houston is planning to make Baylor adjust. Baylor is planning to make Houston adjust. They're looking at what they do well, and they're looking at to exploit their weaknesses. That's what both. That's what the coach is there for, or else we would just have pickup games and, you know, national champions of pickup games. That's what coaches are there for. And so it's going to come down. You're going to see the separation at halftime. I think it's going to be fairly close. I think, you know, in – I don't want to say fairly close because every time I've said games are going to be fairly close, they've been blowouts. But I think when I look at talent, I can't really say one team is more talented than the other. You know, I like their three-headed monster. I can't say who's really better. But it's going to come down to coaching, like Chris said. Who can make that halftime adjustment? In-game adjustments are very important. But when you get those 15 minutes to sit down and talk to your players and point out why you're in the position you're in, whether it's going really good or going really bad for you at halftime, those 15 minutes typically in the final four become the most important 15 minutes of a team's, you know, of what the the last could be the last 20 minutes of your season. Those 15 minutes to prepare for your final 20 minutes of possibly your season is the most important. And so I think at halftime, when they come out in the second half by about 15 minutes in, we're probably going to start seeing who made the better adjustments and we'll probably start seeing maybe one of those teams take off just a little bit, go on a nice little run, be up eight or nine points, and then it's going to take a lot of adjustments on one side and one coach is going to be able to sit here and say, just stay the course. We made our adjustments. They're playing from behind. They have to they have to turn and play our game. So whatever coach makes the opposite team play their game is going to prevail. So that's why I say I'm going to piggyback off him, and the X factor is going to be the coaching. Yeah. Chris. Man, yeah, we, we just we just piggyback off each other a little like tonight, man. Cause, uh, <laughs> you know, my X factor, at least for Baylor, I have one for each team. But for Baylor, I believe it's, uh, it's Macy O.T. Um, a lot has been made about – uh, Davion Mitchell, of course, Jared Butler. A lot of those guys have been getting talked up for the draft. But, you know, T, like I said, he's a shooter. And if he's if he busts his game open and is knocking down threes and also can just pitch in, if he gets like three or four assists, because he's mostly a scorer. So if he gets like four assists, then you know things are rolling and clicking well for uh, Baylor. So uh, T is a, the X factor for me for Baylor. And then for Houston, I have uh, Dejon Giroux. I have Dejon Giroux. Um, you know, this last game, he's um, he's been a creator all season. He's been getting assists, and he's one of the best rebounding guards, you know, in, in the league, in the, uh, in the conference that he plays in. Uh, he had, like, eight boards, I believe, this last game, and uh, eight assists, ten points. If he can score, he's going to have to score more than ten points. But if he can continue that uh, assist production and continue to create for others and get, like, eight, nine assists, but also have, like, an efficient 16 to 18, 
that's going to be key for Houston to pull off the upset and get the win because they're going to need scoring from – we know Grimes is going to get buckets. But if Sasser and uh, Jerome and the rest of the guys can up their scoring and, and continue to, you know, give that production and, and uh, you know, just kind of do more than normal because that's what's going to take in this game. You're playing against Baylor. You know what I'm saying? You're playing against one the number one uh, number one seed, uh, one of the best teams in the uh, country. Everybody anticipate them to go to the championship. If you want to pull off this upset, you need some of the other guys to step up. I think uh, Jerome's going to have to score. If he gets like 18, Houston's going to be right there in. Yeah, big time. Um, who I'm looking in this matchup, um, and it, uh, Houston's in is uh, Tremon uh, Mark. Um, it actually, um, you guys may remember he hit that game winning shot against uh, Memphis, mm-hmm. um, maybe about like a month ago now, and then end up the next game against Rutgers, he's the game winning shot there as well. Uh, He's not we when we talk about like as far as offensive production, he's not gonna be like you know the guy that you if in this case he would maybe more so of an offensive liability at this point. But I think what he does is very intangible. He has intangibles. Like he's able to guard multiple positions on the court. I think he'll be able to handle Baylor's press. Um and he, you know, as far as I think he'll be able to attack their press. So he's going to be one of those guys I think that that's kind of vital that they need because they obviously they'll get the scoring punch from the guards. But I think you bringing in him and kind of him having that ability to kind of, you know, we, we talk about like guard multiple positions, you know, maybe he can, um, you know, man up on, um, you know, as far as T or Mitchell or Butler, or, you know, who's to say, but he's one of those guys who I think could, could definitely could be a contributor. He may not be, the sexy headline or the one that you're going to say, like, oh, if Houston won, it's because of him. But the intangibles that he possessed could definitely help help propel them if possible, if, if mm-hmm. they get their win. I like that. I like that. I see you. I see you, Coach. <laughs> <laughs> so, fellas, prediction time. So, man, who y'all got in the Battle of Texas? <laughs> you, got, you got Mo? <laughs> Baylor. Yeah, let's go. Got to go. Get the, a score? Woo. You don't have to. I ain't put you no, on no, the no. I love it. Now you put the pressure. <laughs> Baylor 74 71. Okay. High scoring. The guards on both sides do a great job. Down to the wire. I take Baylor 74 71. Okay. We got, we got Chris. I'm taking Baylor too. I had. Baylor by eight written down. Now I'm trying to think of a score. Uh, I'll say 68-60. Okay. 68-60, I'm going to go with Baylor. Eight? If Baylor eight. wins by eight, the game, how the game is going to go is to, to bounce. How the game's, If Baylor wins by eight, how the game goes is just like how the past games of this past weekend. Baylor fairly dominates. Houston's going to have to make a late run, and all they could get to is within eight. They're not going to take off at the end and win by eight. If they win by eight, they were pretty dominant most of the game, and it took like a late push. Houston was able to get within four, four six, yeah, and then yeah, Baylor yeah. ends up taking off again because they had all the momentum. So I could see a game going like that just because that's what last week had told us, you know, this past weekend is that's how games have went. But I'm going – I'm going what I want to see, and that's 74-71, down to the wire. I would even love to see 71-71, five seconds left, and Baylor, boom, for the game, go to the national championship. Fairy tale, Cinderella, put the glass slipper on. Let's cut down them nets, and let's get it. But you know what's crazy, and it's funny that you say that Chris Farr is eight. I I got a strange feeling. I want to see how this point spread, because this point spread is eight. I think eight or nine. I think it's nine. Let's pull it up. Let's pull it up. Yeah. So you have them winning by eight. I have it as well. I got them winning 75 to 67. (laughs) Baylor's Baylor's favored by five. Five. Okay. Okay. Yeah, five. Okay. But I tell you, if that line moved to eight, I swear I think I'll put some some money on that. Because, like, the way we we talk in the day, and then if, if, if this line moved to eight, I might have to put a little something on it. It's not moving. It's, it's I know, not but moving. I'm just saying. Hey, I'm not five, five is about right. Like I think yeah, Baylor favored by five. That's about right. You gotta you gotta look at how Houston was able to get to the final four. You know, and for mm. gambling reasons, you can't make. I mean, eight points 
in a college basketball game is is overwhelming favorite in a sense. Like we talking about a final four matchup and the team is favored by eight. You're the overwhelming favorite. And you know, when we talk about the next matchup, that's what we see with the point spread is an overwhelming favorite. I just don't see Baylor that to me favored by five. You're the clear cut. This is, we we don't think you're going to lose, but overwhelming eight points in a one versus two matchup. That's eight points favorite. That's a lot. That'll be a lot. Right. Right. So, yeah, man. So, definitely um, we got that squared away. So, we'll talk about the uh, nightcap in this matchup. But before we do, we definitely got to give a huge shout-out to our good folks at Manscaped uh, where you can get your 20% off and free shipping by using our promo code OTBN. Uh, Don't forget to head over to manscaped.com. Use our promo code OTBN. You get 20% off and free shipping. Hey, Your go, balls go will thank you. Yes, indeed. Your balls <laughs> will thank you. Hey, get, get, get it off the ball with Off the Ball Network. Exactly. That point. <laughs> that point. <laughs> so we got UCLA versus Gonzaga, fellas. So we'll get right to it. So what is the matchup to watch? I'm going to go with you first. Chris, your thoughts. <laughs> Well, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's no surprise. It's, it's Johnny Juzang against Gonzaga. Whoever's going to be checking him. Gonzaga's defense is going to be centered around Johnny. Um, so that's really the matchup to see whether they put, um, you know, like, if he gets off, they might throw a bigger person. They might throw a Kispert at him, you know. But um, you have uh, Nimbard. Um, you got Joel. You know, they got, they got several guys to throw at him. But uh, Juzang, he's been getting loose this whole tournament. You know, the Kentucky transfer, you know, you know he has that pedigree because he originally went to Kentucky. And if they're not taking mm-hmm. any slouches there, even though they had a down season, we know how Kentucky roll when it comes to that recruiting. So uh, Juzang transferred from um, UK, comes to UCLA, and has been doing his thing all season and all tournament, you know, helped rally them. We talked about that Michigan State comeback earlier. He was the big reason why. Um, you know, he's he's that scoring punch for them. He's the he's the straw that stirs the drink, if you will. You know what I'm saying for UCLA. So we're gonna see all the different looks that Gonzaga throws at him to you know get him off course and to slow him down, and if he'll be able to continue getting buckets or not. Because if he can't get buckets, we we already seen how Gonzaga rolls this tournament. They'll make the game get ugly quick. If they shut down Johnny. Man, this ain't gonna be a pretty game. <laughs> Facts. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mo. Who's your um, matchup to watch? Oh man, I, looking at it, I want to say UCLA's bench versus Gonzaga's bench. And the reason I say that, Gonzaga don't play their bench very much. Mm-hmm. Uh, you look at against USC, even in a blowout. Their bench played ten minutes, scored or they they not oh. ten minutes. I they scored ten points. My bad. Gonzaga's bench scored ten points. If UCLA can run and gun, where matchup, Juzang can can make Gonzaga work and need extra rest. Then it's gonna come down to when we have to bring because Gonzaga, as great as they are, they are not deep. They don't play their bench that much. Each starter plays over thirty minutes a game. So you don't they don't depend on their bench at all. So it's, it's gonna crazy come down too, if you look yeah. at their bench, because they got some talented guys. Like, but they guys don't use them at all. Yeah. You know, like they don't play much. Their guys, their stars, even in a blowout, played 38 minutes, 32 minutes, 33 minutes. Timmy played like 33 minutes. Jalen Suggs played 38 minutes in a blowout. You don't play your stars that long in a blowout. You don't trust your bench. So if UCLA can exploit, get those starters. So what I'll say the matchup to watch is UCLA getting Gonzaga's starters in foul trouble. They need to go at Timmy and go at Timmy early. Jazang needs to go at Jalen Suggs, if that's who guards him, and go at him early. You need to make him reach. Get a couple foul calls. Get some of those guys in foul trouble. Because UCLA is not talented enough. UCLA is not talented enough to beat Gonzaga, period. Point blank. We, you know, Chris flat out said it. If Jazang plays bad, this game gets ugly early, fast. We turn it off and we watch whatever Monday night show 
that we want to catch. This is the last game. We turn basketball, we turn college basketball, we watch the NBA on a Saturday night. I can promise you that if Jazang doesn't come to play. But if UCLA can get Gonzaga starters in a foul trouble, a couple of them, and force them to play their bench, yes, they got some talented guys, but they don't trust their bench. The minutes, you know, the, the time that they play their bench, the scoring, the production from the bench says itself. They they don't trust their bench. So therefore, you gotta get you gotta challenge Gonzaga's depth. So UCLA has to go at their starting five and go at them early and make them bring out that depth and make them beat you outside of the guys, Timmy, Suggs. We know they're gonna beat you. We know that for a fact. But you have to get those guys out of the game and exploit Gonzaga's lack of depth. And so I think that's what UCLA has to do. You got to go at them and go at them early. So it's just how is UCLA going to make an adjustment to to force Gonzaga to bring their bench in the game and be factors? Yeah, is it big time? Who's the, who's the main people you're trying to get in foul trouble? Is it is it Suggs number one that you're going after? Is Timmy's number one. Is it Timmy? T- Timmy is number one. I'm getting the guy out of the paint who's going to dominate in the paint offensively. He's going to dominate the boards. He's going to dominate scoring in the paint. He's going to be the second chance opportunity guy for Gonzaga when Suggs misses a shot. Like when you look at it, he's going to be, to me, he's going to be the, I don't want to say he'll be for the next topic, but you know, like he, you have to get him in foul trouble first. You got to clean that paint up a little bit. Now, granted, do you know, they got another forward who can pretty much do the same thing. Mm-hmm. But you got to go at Timmy first. Like you got to get him out of there. Kispert, he's another guy he can score in the paint. He's going to get you rebounds. But to me, Timmy one, Suggs is two. Like, you got to get the best player out of the game. If I'm going to get anybody in foul trouble, I'm going to get your guy who dominates the paint first because that clears up lanes for me for Jazang to do his thing. I don't think Suggs can guard him, but he damn sure can't guard Suggs either. But if I could clear up that paint for Jazane to go ISO and have clear looks at the basket, I could get him rolling early. And then I'm going to get, you know, um, I'm going to get Jalen Suggs in foul trouble because if I look at who's, I think that's going to be the matchup, him and Jazane, and I think if I could get that guy up out of there early and get a little advantage coming in the first half, I think that could make a lot of things shake. All you need in games like this is momentum. And if UCLA can develop momentum going into halftime and make Gonzaga panic just a little bit, that's all it takes because this is March Madness, and we've seen upsets. We've seen guys with the momentum continue to roll. And so that's what UCLA has to do. Do I think they do it? No. But that's what they're going to have to do because straight up, starting five versus starting five, they don't have a chance at all. Jazane can go for 30. They're not winning the game. It is not going to come down to how well Jazane plays. Jazane can stop them from getting blown out quickly. That's about the only effect to me he has on the game is he can stop them from getting blown out quickly. 30 points ain't going to be enough. Now, if he goes as a 50-point game or something, you know, some unheard of, you know, type game, then that's different. But 30 is not going to be enough to stop your team. It'll just stop the bleeding a little bit. It'll put a bandage over the bleeding. But if you can if you can make Gonzaga bring out their depth, which obviously, like I said, that goes – the blowout against USC, for all these guys to play 30-plus minutes when you were up 20 – before halftime and you didn't give your bench a lot of burn to me that goes to show they 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 don't have much trust in the bench so ucla has to bring them out hey, if, if jamie watch i mean if uh if you watching this he at home sweating you like dog i, I dropped 30 it's, it's still not gonna be enough <laughs> it's, it's not <laughs> no. i mean 28 was barely enough for michigan it was a dominant performance and it was michigan couldn't hit a shot to save right. their life. Come after coming off a t- game, playing against Florida State, who was defensively sound, we expected Mich- Michigan to have this type Michigan of game against Florida State. Exactly. Like, so that's why I say, like, you look at it, and 28 was barely enough on Michigan's worst night. Gonzaga's worst night ain't is still gonna be a really good night for a lot of people because, like I said, look how dominant they've been. And Jalen Suggs has not played that great until the game against USC. Now he's rolling. That makes Gonzaga even more scary. My best player has had a turnover issue, hasn't played the greatest basketball, and he acknowledged it. You know, he said, I haven't been playing that good, but you know, I got rolling in the USC game. He watched his counterpart who's dominating over there in women's college basketball, and that sparked him to have a great performance. And now look, you know, like, you know what I'm saying? Now look, 
He, he's in the final four. He, he's coming off a really good game. He's got his momentum. But if you can cause force him to turn over and get him in foul trouble, you can get Timmy out of that game. If you can spare yourself five to eight minutes of them playing their bench and you can take advantage, that's at least 12 to 14 points you could score and hold them to maybe six or eight. Get that little lead going at halftime up two, down two, whatever, but where you have some type of momentum to work with coming into halftime, then we could be talking about a different type of second half. But if that doesn't happen, Gazaga's running away with this game very quickly, and we'll just be more intrigued on, you know, a lot of people next Saturday who haven't seen it up at that point will turn uh, Kong versus Godzilla on because this game could be over quick, fast, and in a hurry. Yeah, um, the matchup is more so just the, the contrasting of styles. Uh, we look at like UCLA, just you know, just trying to slow the pace, kind of bang you, can't pause, uh, just kind of <laughs> physical, like it's being physical, uh, you know, a physical kind of minded team, um, you know, in that you know, with that situation, and then you got Gonzaga, who is like the one, you know, offensive, offensive proficiency. If, if that's an, if 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 you look at the dictionary. This this twenty twenty you know the twenty twenty one Gonzaga team will be will have a picture of offensive, um you know with that is concerned, um because Gonzaga's way average almost ninety two two ninety two points per game on fifty five percent shooting, and just can UCLA kind of stop that and kind of contain it more so than anything because we know fifty one points is not gonna cut it. <laughs> at this point and like you said we talked about uh with the whole thing with Michigan you got to think about it. They were well, they missed like their their final eight shots and Gonzaga's not gonna miss eight shots in a row. Not not in the game. Not in, not. Not in, not in, in the game this year. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I don't even Sunday Saturday or even if they advance on um to play on Monday. But yeah, when it comes to offense offensive efficiency, this team's picture is in the dictionary. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, that's that's kind of matchup that I'm looking forward to seeing. So, fellas, moving on along, uh, X Factor. Who's the X Factor in this matchup? I'm gonna go with you first, Mo. Oh, it's so tough to say who would the X Factor be because if I pick a Gonzaga player, it's like any one of them could be an X Factor, and it's like, oh, yeah. you're throwing out the obvious. But <laughs> to me, is it's Timmy. Um, just to go back to my point of getting him in foul trouble, if Obviously, if Jazang is going to be the guy, he's the X factor, period, point blank. Because UCLA and Stop the Bleeding and how long can they hold on for dear life is going to come down to how well he plays. Because I don't really, I can't say anybody else on UCLA is going to be an X factor to step up and show up in the Final Four. So obviously, to me, the obvious answer is to go on the, you know, the the underdog and pick their best player. But to me, it's Timmy because I did say, you know, it, it could be affected if he gets in foul trouble. But if he stays out of foul trouble, which I would expect that he does, and he dominates the paint like he's been doing on the offensive side of the – and on, on the offensive side in the paint and on the glass, offensively and defensively getting boards, okay. you uh, Gonzaga runs away with it. I mean, Jalen sucks because the one guy who's been very consistent has been Timmy. Like I said, Jalen Suggs has had turnover problems – in this tournament up until last game, they still were blowing teams out. They still were handling teams and it wasn't close. Why? Because the one consistent guy who has who hasn't had a bad game yet has been Timmy. He's played great. So to me, he continues that trend. He continues to be the X Factor and play great. Gazaga goes on to the national championship, you know, and we looking at hopefully a Gazaga Baylor, just because I think that's going to be the most exciting matchup for the national championship. But I mean, to me, I think it's got to be Timmy because how he dominates the paint is just going to show how quickly they dominate UCLA. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Chris. Uh, for me, um, you know, I'm going to go to UCLA and I'm going to say Jamie Jaquez Jr. Um, now he's someone everybody knows about you saying. But Jacquez Jr., he had a big game, that Michigan State game. When they came back and, and won that one, he had 27 against Michigan State. He's someone who – it's not sexy how he gets buckets. He has good size. He definitely uses his strength to get to the rack. He likes to post up guards and then get them, you know, do like little fadeaway spins 
or uh, you know, gets like some baby hook shots on guards. But he definitely uses his size and strength. He can shoot it a little bit, shot a good percentage this season. But um, he's had a good tournament. I'm looking at his recent games, 27 against Michigan State, 13 against BYU. Uh, he had 17 against Bama, so he stepped up big time in that Bama game. Had four points against Michigan. So he had a, a tough night, only four points, and it kind of shows because they only won by two points. They barely pulled off that win. So he's someone we know what Juzang is going to do. But if he comes around and has a big game, has one of Michigan State-type games, 27 points, it might mess around and be a ball game. So he's somebody to look out for. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Matt, and it's funny, kind of to to your point, we talked about it a little earlier, as far as I think it's going to be Jalen Suggs. I think um, when you look at he'll be able to kind of control the tempo uh, with that, that if, you know, he's going to be definitely an integral part of how this offense is ran, obviously, with him being a point guard. But like you said, um, this could be an opportunity for him. You know, we you talked about him more earlier as far as him being turnover prone and been kind of having these kind of, you know, you know, just freshman-like games. Uh, we'll put it this way, where essentially he's, you know, one 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 game he looks great, then the other one, he, you know, he, he kind of takes a step back. But this, I think this would be a perfect opportunity uh, for him to kind of emerge, he's starting now. You know, as we, you know, as um, as the tournament has progressed, he has been playing uh, better as of late. So this definitely be a great opportunity for him to kind of um, to you know, and I just want to see how he goes against this this UCLA um, um, as far as that, and how he's be able to, to control their tempo and keep it going. So, fellas, prediction time. <laughs> who, who you who you got, Chris? I uh, mean, I got I got Gonzaga. I have Gonzaga. <laughs> um, initially, I had Gonzaga by fourteen, but I kind of think I'm. I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to give UCLA, UCLA a little bit of respect. I don't want to sit up here and be like, "Yeah, Gonzaga by twenty-two is going to be a a terrible Final Four game." I don't want to say that, but I mean that's the reality, though. That's something that could happen. It could play out to be like that if Gonzaga's firing on all cylinders. But um, I'm going to say Gonzaga by 14 will go, was it, 80 to 66. Okay. <laughs> what you got, Mo? <laughs> Gonzaga, 81 to 52. <laughs> Gonzaga, 81 to 52. <laughs> We say that laughingly, but shoot, we could be the ones with the egg on our face. I'm gonna no, be exactly. Like eighty-one to fifty-two. I ain't give. Listen, what's the spread? Let me go look at the spread. The spread 14. is fourteen. You you hit the spread on the head. It's 14. I hit the spread on the head. Wow. Yeah, on the head. I'm gonna tell you like this. We break. We could break down, and and we're being friendly, and we you know trying to not be all buy high on Gonzaga, and all oh, they fooling us, and UCLA has a chance. Listen, we've named all the things that it's going to take for UCLA to stop the bleeding and lose by 14 only. So Chris gives his score basically saying everything that UCLA needs to happen to stop the bleeding happens and they lose by 14. That's his, if he's correct, if his score is correct, that means everybody showed up. Everybody played great on UCLA that needed to step up and they lose by 14. I don't think that happens. I watched Gonzaga dominate a USC team that I'm sorry. I don't care about what team is where. They are better than you. That USC team is better than his UCLA team. That Oregon team is better than his UCLA team. We yeah. see Cinderella's. I'm not giving them the benefit of the doubt. 81 to 52. Gonzaga and Jalen Suggs and them get to already start looking. They get to watch the Baylor game. For the most part, they get to know who they're going to be playing in the national championship, and they're going to get going. They're going to, they play Saturday, and then they turn around and play Monday. What they are going to do is it's going to turn into practice, and they're going to start using game plans and preparations and scenarios for how they're going to have to come in certain plays and stuff, how they're going to have to play against Baylor. You're going to see them change the way they're playing the game in the last 10 minutes. You're going to be wondering why they're doing it, and it's because they don't even look at UCLA as the Bruins no more. They see the Baylor Bear, they see the Baylor Bears on on UCLA's jerseys, and that's what they practice it for. Eighty-one to fifty-two. The game's not close. It's a blowout. Yeah. Did, cancel Christmas. Gonzaga going to the national championship. 
You know what? Yeah. Since the spread is 14, I'm going to put myself on the right side of the spread. I'm going to say it's 81 to 65. We, we, I'm going to go up. I'm going to get a by couple 16, more 16, you take them by 16? Yeah, I'm taking by 16. And that's because <laughs> all things go right for UCLA. Um, uh, this game ain't close. Because yeah. yeah. can play bad. You, the thing is, they are fi- their starting five is phenomenal. We talk about really? arguably one the greatest team of all time. Like if they win this national championship, that is we we are going to be talking about you know the 05 Tar Heels, the 09 Tar Heels, the the 2021 Gonzaga, you know Gold Zags, whatever. We gonna be talking about them. We gonna be, the 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 Kentucky team, team that didn't yeah, make it to the yeah. national championship. But when we talk about talent and then with the championship on top of that, they're going to yep. be one of, if not the greatest team of all time. It's already been talked about. I've listened to Jay Bylas, you know, talk about this is probably the greatest team of all time. So this is who we're evaluating. They've shown Jalen Suggs has played bad. They still have dominated. Timmy could probably play bad and Jalen Suggs plays great. They're going to dominate. There's too many factors. Too many things have to go wrong for Gonzaga not to dominate. 11 seed UCLA. You have to literally talk about they just have the worst night of their life, which can always happen in a game of basketball. All you got to do is be better than a team one night. But we literally talking about we're looking for a flaw in Gonzaga. And they're, they they are undefeated. They are 30 and 0. They yeah. haven't had a flawed night yet. They haven't had an L. I don't think they decide to have a flawed night. With a chance of being the greatest team of all time and winning a national championship, they're not going to have a flawed night against UCLA, a team that does not have even remotely enough talent to even hold their nuts. Like, it's just not going to happen. Like, Gazaga, I would say by like 35, but I'm going to give them, I'm going to give UCLA the benefit of the doubt. Gazaga takes the foot off the gas at the final five minutes because. Obviously, in blowouts, they keep their starters in. So, I'm going to give them 29 because Gonzaga let they foot off the gas a little bit because they were up by almost 40 at one point. Yeah. And even they would have had a sophomore LaMelo ball when they had a snowball chance. Um, and they funny a little bit better chance if they had a LaMelo a ball. A little bit, yeah, LaMelo a little bit better. Fair, to be honest, LaMelo yeah. would be fairly dominant in college basketball. Oh, no if he doubt. was a sophomore no this year, you look at – you just look at his his improvement every year. I will say, if they had Jazang and Lamelo Ball, right now we're talking about right. hey, right. upset alert in the Final Four, like, right? Because I would right. say Lamelo as if he would have went to college, he would have only been a one and done. But if we just right. looking and, and hypothetically saying that they have a Lamelo Ball who's averaging <laughs> twenty points in the NBA this right. year as a rookie playing as a sophomore yeah. in UCLA, now we might be talking about, but if you also factor that in, UCLA wouldn't be an 11 seed with, with <laughs> right. LaMelo yeah, Ball. So more, more so they, just an, yeah, more so an excess hyperbole. Essentially, they ain't got no shot in hell, even yeah, if they no, wouldn't no. have had that shot. No. But it's funny that you said you said 81 to 65, right? Or 66. I got up 81 to 64. <laughs> I was like, you just can't make this stuff up. So it's and, like you guys is – all of our pro- pro- projections, like y'all are giving them a chance, and that's saying they're winning by 16 <laughs> or 15 or 14. I'm yeah, giving them no yeah. chance. Y'all, yeah, I mean, y- yo, y'all like, basically. I, I think the thing is, I think it was going to. They, they, they did hold Michigan to 51. I mean, to, uh, was it? Was it 51, 49? 49. 49. Michigan yeah, 49, is not yeah. Gonzaga. I mean, yeah, right, right, Ooh. right. Not even close. Like, I get what y'all saying, though. Basically, but, y'all give but, them some respect, and they're going to stop the bleeding at some point. I don't think so. I think they bleed I, to death in this game. Yeah, I think what's going to happen is, because I'm going to get up to a high start, and I think I think a lot of that 64 points probably going to come in garbage time, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be a, to a point where I think, because they're going to wave the white flag probably about 13 minutes ago. They the might second wave half. the white flag because of the national yeah. championship and, coming up. And right, and get ready for Monday. And then you probably have UCLA kind of, you know, baby score about 20, 30-something points in that 15-minute period to kind of garbage time. Like, trust me, people in, in Vegas are going to be sweating Saturday night because that's, that's it's, teeter, it's teetering on that line. So Anybody who takes Gonzaga by with the spread is taking a chance because 14 is a lot. In college basketball, it's projecting a blowout. So, therefore, they could be teetering that line. Obviously, with y'all score projections, people who take this bet and take Gazaga, you know, with the spread, is they're going to be sweating in their socks. 
sitting there like, oh my God, I, I got lucky if y'all scores are right. Or if the score goes my way, they just going to be like, oh, oh they, easy, they at home, easy money. I'm going to sleep tonight. Yeah. I don't even right. think there's a big right. fight on Saturday night. There's no other thing other than the final four, maybe an NBA game. Who really cares at this point? We look in all these injuries and stuff. We want to watch the playoffs at this point. Mm -hmm. So at this point, I think, you know, they're going to be able to go to sleep happy. They want some money. Point on Kong versus Godzilla. Exactly. They're going to be playing (laughs) Kong versus Godzilla because whoever hasn't watched it up to that point, I think if you haven't watched it, you probably, I haven't watched it, but I'm going to check it out this weekend. But if you haven't watched it, save it for next Saturday for halftime of the UCLA Gazette game because you can just turn that game off and enjoy movie night with a significant other, your homies, whatever you, however you watching this game, you can enjoy movie night and watch Kong versus Godzilla because in just late night, sip on your wine, whatever, you know, smoke your doobie, do whatever. But this game is going to be over before halftime. Yeah. Yes, indeed. It's going to be an interesting game, but definitely looking forward to the matchups on Saturday for the national semifinal. Uh, so before we head out, fellas, uh, where can they find your social media, Mo? Yeah, um, Up at Flames Pod, Twitter, Instagram, Up at Flames Sports Podcast, anywhere you can listen to your podcast, Mo underscore Cheese 15 for, um, you know, my personal account is more so where I engage. Uh, like I said, so I'm going to I'm gonna make it, I'm going to announce it. I've always said when I close out, you're, you're going to hear the name, where, where the cheese came from, where the nickname so actually, on our national championship preview, I'm going to give a little insight on where the Mo Cheese comes from so everybody can stop <laughs> hearing me say, you know, oh, that's a story for another time. Yeah. I go ahead and give a little insight, you know what I'm saying, a little funny story on where my nickname Mo Cheese came from. But yeah, Mo underscore Cheese 15, you know, uh, for my personal account, uh, if you miss, if you were watching this and you missed the show before this on Off The Ball Network, Definitely go check out Cruise Island. This week, we've been hyping this show up between Cruise and, and Barcia, Bars Talks. You know, we've been hyping this show up as far as how good it's going to be, the, the pitch for Eli being a Hall of Famer or not. And it lived up to the hype. I watched the show before this. They got me going ready for Tourney Talk. So if you, if you leave this and you wake up in the morning, definitely check out Cruise Island because that was one hell of a show. Shout out to Cruise. Shout out to Bars. Great. You know, I, they didn't convince me either way. I didn't know who to rock with. I don't know who won. I think Cruz now on Cruz Island and his versus battles, I think he's 1-0-1. I think he has a tie in week two of his versus battles that he brings on. So it was definitely a great show. So shout out to Cruz Island. And then going off the ball network.com for all your sports needs. Check out everybody's podcast articles. Jeff just wrote a great article basically on these NFL draft analyst clowns that that like to start, you know, so definitely read the, uh, Jeff's article. It was amazing. You know, shout out to everybody, Chris, everybody doing good work on offthebarnetwork.com. Don't miss it. Continue checking out Steven and them on breaking the game. You know, I got some shows coming up, some things in the works. Everybody's doing great work. And then make sure you tune in with us Monday um, pregame for the national championship because we're going to yes, bring sir. Tony Talk back. Monday, an hour before the game starts. So definitely check that out too. Yeah. Chris. Y'all can follow me on Twitter at Chris underscore Bolton underscore 12 and on Instagram at Chris Bolton underscore. Uh, of course, you know, uh, we, we chop it up, always talking sports, whether it's college hoops, the final four or NBA, you know, we all, I, I love hoops. That's my main thing. So always talking NBA or whatever. Um, also, uh, I'm going to have the podcast firing back up soon. It's, it's been a busy time for me, of course, um, you know, reporting out here in uh, Mississippi. But finna get things back going with the podcast. Uh, you know, it's, we're going to have the playoffs coming up soon in NBA. So, of course, we got to get, you know, dive into that and break down those matchups when it comes. And also, you know, uh, NBA draft talk. Got to ramp that, ramp that back up and everything. So, uh, we're going to have the checkup of Chris Bolton podcast. Getting back fired up and started here soon. And I'm also doing a, a fan media show on the Golden State Warriors with uh, fan media. So, um, you know, whenever y'all get a chance, you know, be able to check that out on Apple News. If you got your iPhone and stuff, uh, search that. But, um, yeah, just keep on, you know, like Mo said, off the ball network where we got everybody covered. Whatever you need, whether it's NFL, NHL, UFC, 
women's basketball, NBA, it, it don't matter. We, you know, we got all your needs covered. So uh, be sure to just check out everybody's work with Off the Ball Network. Yes, sir. Stock Vegas in the house. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> Yes, sir. Yeah, so definitely um, follow the podcast, uh, Couch Coach Live. Follow it's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram on the Couch Coach Live. Uh, check out the podcast, Apple, Spotify, anywhere you get your podcast. We are there. Also, check us out on TikTok as well, YouTube, anywhere, social media, Couch Coach Live. Um, man, and we got a great show lined up for you on Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time and Prime Time. Um, we'll be um, doing the National Championship preview. And so we before got, we what, what snacks we gonna have, man? What what we snacking on before the game? Oh, hey, man, we gonna, we gonna get something. We gonna get something going. You know, I'm a, might, I'm might a chocolate get, peanut butter kind of guy. Some wings is always a good go. Yeah, pizza wings and a Mountain Dew. That's what that's Facts. the championship. <laughs> you know what? Facts. Let's let's pitch for sponsorships. I'm going Pizza Hut Wing Street. I'm going with exactly. a nice little twenty ounce Mountain Dew. Let's get some sponsorships. You know what I'm saying on the network. I'm going Pizza Ooh. Hut. Shout out to Pizza Hut. They Wing Street Wings, and I'm going right. with a nice cold Mountain Dew to Facts. wash down the goodness before I watch the national Facts. championship. Throwing little bones for the throwing little, little bones for some. You know what I'm saying? A little bones for more, a little and little bones for for couch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and throw on one of little cookie pies too, your boy. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Like. Your boy. I might have get some cinnamon sticks. You know? Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, they be hitting with that ice. They be hitting, bro. Oh. Sticks, they different. They mm. different. They hit different. Facts. <laughs> Big facts. But yeah, man. So definitely huge shout out to our good folks at Fanatics and also Manscape. Head on to manscape.com. I'll hit our promo code OTBN twenty percent off and free shipping. Definitely appreciate the good folks at Manscaped and also Fanatics. And uh, definitely appreciate those, appreciate them. And, man, we'll catch you guys on Monday. This has been, has been another Turn It Talk. We'll catch you on Monday.